So today we're talking about redistricting the census and what to expect from the maps being drawn by the California Citizens Redistricting Commission. I'm Jody Balma, and this is A Slice of Orange on North Orange County Politics. Today I'm joined by Dr. Matthew Jarvis, who earned his PhD in political science at UC Berkeley. He's the chair of the Division of Politics, Administration, and Justice at Cal State Fullerton, uh, my alma mater. Uh, and his research focuses on veto politics, voting behavior, public opinion, and California government. We also learned that uh, he came very close to being on this commission himself. So he has a focus on redistricting and drawing of lines. And we'll also learn uh, why you should not run for office if you're from Williams College. So uh, all of this and more on this episode of A Slice of Orange. So welcome, Dr. Matt Jarvis, Cal State Fullerton, and uh, let's talk redistricting. Great, I love it. So usually the process is fairly straightforward. Every 10 years, according to the Constitution, we count the people with the census, the House of Representatives reapportions the seats, taking away from states that have lost population, giving to states that uh, have grown. It's not without the political battles, but the real fights tend to be in the states where the states have to redraw the lines, hopefully have equal number of people in each district for congressional and, of course, the state legislatures as well. So let's start um, with how this time is not like the others. Um, so the problems with the census because of the pandemic um, and the delays in getting those numbers to Congress, um, what, what can you sort of talk about how this has been fundamentally different than past experiences? Well, there's... Uh... There's also, in addition to the pandemic, there's also um, a good bit of monkeying that happened with the Census Bureau um, in advance of this. Uh, so the Trump administration, knowing uh, that the data would be there, ended up in a fairly protracted battle with Congress over who was going to be the director of the census. Right. Um, and there were allegations that the people they were picking were politically biased. Um, and the citizenship question that yeah. was fought back and forth. They, they, they did the citizenship question. Um, the uh, treasure trove of records from that former Republican operative uh, where he talked about how the Republicans would like to gain the census and it yes. would help them. That all came out around the same time. Uh, he had recently died and his daughter had discovered this flash drive with all these records. Right. Um, and so the, the census was, and then you just pile on top of that, the politicization of immigration in the country. And we've probably not had a census as politicized as this one um, in decades, if not, if not even a century. Mm -hmm. um, so there were those things that caused the census delay too. The pandemic almost, in a sense, gave the Census Bureau cover for the fact that they were probably right. late in the first yes. place. Yes, yes. Um, so what California ended up doing uh, upon finding out that the data were going to be coming so late uh, from the census, um, that ended up running us up against the constitutional deadline that was set when we adopted our new California Citizens Registering Commission process. Right. And so they were going to have to do the lines by August 15th, but that was going to be 
totally impossible. Right. Uh, the data weren't going to be available. So the legislature petitioned the, the Supreme Court for an extension, and they got an extension. Uh, an emergency petition was granted. Uh, and now the California Citizens Registering Commission, its maps are due on the 15th of December. Right. The registration uh, for candidates deadline starts on the 16th of December. Yes. Um, and so whereas in the past, candidates had approximately uh, four months between the time of the lines and uh, the redrawing, and it could have been le- a little bit less, somewhat less than that during a pre- if it was a presidential year next year, which it isn't. Sure. We, we often advance those primaries. Right. And that advances the, the calendar a few months. Um, they've gone from a window that would have been four months-ish uh, to essentially about four waking hours uh, before you have to figure out if you're going to start collecting signatures. And and to know what district you end up in. Yeah. And, and, you know, constitutionally, you don't have to live in the district for Congress, but you do for the state legislature, and those lines are also being drawn. Well, that's that's a game that... Uh, folks like to play fast and loose with as well. Um, so here in Orange County, um, we had Mimi Walters um, <laughs> and we had a, a local uh, a gadfly who uh, sent flowers to her address that she registered for uh, or claimed that she was registered in, which was like a one, a two bedroom apartment in Santa Ana instead of uh, her, you know, multi-million dollar mansion in Aliso Viejo. Yeah. Um, and then took pictures every day when the flowers sat there and died. It, it was one of my favorite um, um, things to watch because I just thought, like, why wouldn't you send her to pick up the flowers? Is none of her staff watching this as the rest of us are watching the flowers die? Well, yeah. and, you know, what happened? And, and with a Republican a, a district attorney who isn't going to prosecute for that. But, you know, Los Angeles did. Yeah, um, so th- that's where you get a, that's where you get some of these uh, right things. You have to find a district attorney who's willing to prosecute that because absolutely, technically, all you're doing in that is committing you're committing voter fraud. You're not actually co- the the law is just taking from your voter registration. So yeah. the only offense you're committing is voter, not uh, any kind of candidate offense. Yeah, um, oddly yeah. enough, just because the way the system works. Yeah, um, and so. Yeah, I mean, so do members have to live in the district? Well, I mean, Dana Rohrbacher claimed he lived in a shack he owned or something. So eh, you can get away with some fuzzy stuff as long as your politics align with your DA's politics. Yes, Um, yes. But one of the things I think is going to be a real consequence is that with the data being so delayed, the redistricting commission is going to have less ability to hold as many hearings as they did the last time. And if they do hold the hearings, they'll be a little more rushed and they will likely right. not have enough time to incorporate public feedback the way they did the last time. Absolutely. Um, and so even if you go and speak at one of these hearings and you say, oh, I think this map is, is biased in this way or that way, the commissioners are largely relying on, on staff to say, oh, well, can you change the lines this way or something? And they have to make all the numbers work out. That actually just takes time. Right. Um, as uh, you and I know, anytime we've given those students a redistricting exercise to do in class, 
Um, it's a great way to suck up an entire hour yeah. to redistrict four or five districts, not even right. a, a large state. Right. Um, because it's it's really a time consuming process to do this. It's not fast. It isn't. And and, and, so, and to follow and to follow the prescribed, you know, keeping communities of interest together and 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 not wanting to end up with what we have in North Orange County, which is these tri-county districts. Yeah. And and so, that's not good for yeah. so they're, they're gonna they're gonna be worrying uh, about how they incorporate that. And so what I think is at the end, what you're going to see is a process that will probably try to be as open and transparent. Sure. As as the last one. But at the end of the day, we'll be just running up against the reality Running out of time. Of of time not right. allowing them to respond to all these uh public comments that they'll that they'll get. Absolutely. And I and I also see, you know, that the, the commission has really been trying to reach out. We draw the lines and submitting community maps, but I, I always am concerned that the people who submit that early, you know, are very they have an agenda, it's partisan, they want to win, which is not, you know, a consideration of the committee. And then they just get drowned out with the legitimate concerns that people have when they see the map and say, oh, I live here. This this doesn't make sense. And the, if you will, professionals, uh, which can range from your parties, uh, but also uh, party-aligned interest groups, and then even sure. interest groups that aren't party-aligned. But you're really talking about interest groups that are more well-established and have sort of larger budgets and staff right they'll maybe be able to to do this quick um but your citizens group that was just sort of organizing itself right for this yes um the the time is just going to be a, a real factor it's just not gonna uh, right. be a thing and so i think that we'll get voices heard from the most interested the most affected um but that broad uh, yes. participation in the process that the CCRC was was designed uh, to do, it's just, this is not how it was drawn up right. Um, right. To, to function. Yeah. So, yeah, I think everyone's going to basically have to sort of cut the redistricting commission some slack on this because uh, these maps are not going to necessarily be uh, what they would have aimed for. Right. The part that I te- sort of take away from that is uh, I don't I'm trying not to lose too much sleep over it because the data are wrong even when they're working on them. The census misses people, yes. people move, people people are born, people die. It's it's wrong when we're working on it. But the Supreme right. Court insists that that's what we have the only thing we can work off of. And so this year the data are even more off because of the rushed nature of the census. And that's going to, uh, so they're working off off data as it is. So right. I'm not so sure that like everyone's comments will be, we'll all be working off the same census data, but we're all working off a much more imperfect view of the world Absolutely. as it is. Right. So I think we're really in a, in a situation where everyone's just going to have to cut everybody some slack and the maps won't be perfect from anybody's perspective whether you're good government partisan um wanting more representation for this group or that group right 
it's no, I, yeah, it's I just agree. It's going to be hacked together. It, it, it is more wrong than usual and it's yes. never perfect. Yeah. yeah. So let's take a step back um, to, to the house apportionment because of course, California, you know, now has to deal with being on the other side of this equation that we are not gaining seats, but are um, losing for the first time. Uh, and, and that kind of process where, you know, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, um, you know, these are states that are giving an advantage um, and, and rightfully so. That's where people live. Um, but clearly in a partisan manner, um, it looks like the Republicans have gained seats in both the House of Representatives and then, of course, the Electoral College just based off of this apportionment. The, the Electoral College for me is, is likely the larger of those two stories um, by, the, by the simple fact that the way the Electoral College is, is done in 48 of the 50 and the other two are too small to have been changed, really. Oh, um, poor Maine and Nebraska. Yeah. Um, is they are, they are either purple or red states um, <laughs> that, that, that grew and largely blue states that shrunk. There were a couple of blue states that, that gained a seat or two, but at the end yeah. of the day- Oregon um, gained. Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, you're looking at, at a net gain for likely Republican votes um, in the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a way of counting up votes that despite the Democrats having won seven of the last eight elections in the popular vote, We've elected, uh, you know, three Republican presidents in that uh, time. So it's a it's adding more distortion to the Electoral College. We used to talk about how the Electoral College was a funny way of doing things. But overall, it tended to really reflect the partisan balance in the country. So it wasn't too bad. And now in the in the 21st century, it's definitely skewed. Right. Yeah, that is the. House goes um, the yes, uh, you know, those are uh, states largely controlled by uh, Republican legislatures. I expect that they will try to draw the maps in such a way um, that will favor uh, their party. Um, but a, a few sort of stories from redistricting past kind of give me a little more hope uh, from the perspective of, of fairness in these in these regards. Um, so one of those is um, when California gained a seat the last time back in two th- back in two thousand. Um, basically, when we did the this incumbent gerrymander and we made fantastically uncompetitive seats, part of the reason that deal went through is the Republicans just simply told the Democrats, "Yeah, you get this extra seat. That's yours." I- because they just the reality of the data was such that there was no way you could ever draw another Republican seat out of that. Right. It was, it was impossible. And so when the Republicans in 2000 really conceded to the reality, 2001, uh, conceded to the reality on the ground, um, you, you had a, a situation where the Republicans agreed to a situation that benefited the Democratic Party in a sense. And the other story that comes, but, kind of but protected right? their incumbents. Compact protected their incumbents, sure. But you know, um, I, I, I the party. teach that as the incumbent protection plan, oh, yeah. the redistricting yeah. of two thousand and one, which which led to popular support for the citizens redistricting. It, it did. Uh, my favorite stat uh, that I like to talk about that redistricting uh, cycle is seven. 
And that's the number of seats that changed party hands in an entire decade across all three legislative bodies that we elect. Yes. It's less than 1% of all elections. Right, uh, right. We had more party seats, parties, uh, seats change hands in the state legislative elections in the last cycle in 2018 than yes. we did for an entire <laughs> in, decade. In an entire decade. Um, and that's just two two chambers, not even mentioning the House. So yeah, it's, it's it was a, a definite thing. But the other one I come to is uh, from the 2000s, is Texas, when the state Democratic uh, legislators fled and they redrew the lines. But the lines they ended up drawing in Texas arguably were a better representation of the people of Texas than they were beforehand. Right. Um, because right. you looked at it and you said, oh, what did it elect? It elected a majority, but not a super majority, Republican delegation right. to the House. And you sit there and go, for Texas? I kind of think they should have a majority Republican delegation exactly. if you're exactly. reflecting the population. Right. And so in the end, I, I go, there's only so much you can do depending on where people live. Right. And so I look at the states that gained and I say, OK, they're, they're majority Republican or, or, or close to a tie at the state level. But where did they gain the population? And it's all urban centers. Yes. The population growth in Texas, Florida, North Carolina, basically everywhere in the country, uh, Oregon's growth is in Portland. Right. Um, is in urban areas. And so I sort of I take that. And then in the, in the case of Texas specifically, the fact that they had redistricted so much in favor of the Republicans right. already. And I go, they, they really there's not much more blood left in this stomach to out. Right. Um, and so I, I kind of think that in the case of Texas in particular, that where their population growth has been and the fact that they really maximized the results the last time, I, 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 I'm, I think that that seat, we might see one more Democrat elected out of Texas. Mm -hmm. um, there may just be no way to draw the lines. Right. At, at some point, you're, you're left with not a lot of choices. Yeah. Yeah. And the states that lost, obviously, you know, California is, is going to have to do that um, subtraction. But the others were, were fairly the trend that we've seen for the last few censuses where people are moving out of the, the Northeast, New York and Pennsylvania, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan. Um, so not terribly surprising there. Yeah, the uh, I love watching the the set the map of the centroid of population in the U.S. with every census, and it's just a uh, it's like a Lewis and Clark it's like a map of the Lewis and Clark yes, expedition. Yes. Uh, that's slow. That's you know, and so it's been going slowly west south west by southwest. Yeah. Um, every time, I think it largely almost stalled this cycle because uh, the West Coast growth um, and the growth of the South is kind of bending it a little bit uh, more right. Southern than it is a uh, Western. Um, but that's always just a fun thing to watch. Yeah. I mean, the, the South is, is just really interesting because um, the, the invention of air conditioning really sort of changed the nature of the South uh, from what it yeah. had been, but it still has this very long legacy of it's been the most conservative part in the country since day one, it has always been conservative. Right. Um, but as you bring in more people from the rest of the, of the country, as you get, as almost every state has a smaller percentage 
of native born to that state in living there. Right. As you get to, in a sense, a more mobile society, some of those things begin to break down. I mean, Texas, rock ribbed Republican Texas, was contested in the last election. Right, right. Um, and and while the Democrats didn't really weren't really close on election day, um, there were polls that showed it being in striking distance at some point in the summer. Right. So it, it's and and Georgia has two Democratic senators. Georgia has two Democratic senators, and 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 you look at Atlanta as as the driver. Yeah. So I think the growth of the urban centers in the South yeah. that's, that's driving a lot of this changes a lot of the calculations. Um, particularly as the Republicans have grown their rural vote share and they've lost urban vote share. Right. So I, I look at the census numbers and I say, uh, there's doesn't matter which side you're on, there's a silver lining to your cloud or a cloud to your silver lining. Uh, um, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It's a mixed bag uh, in this sort of tied country we have. Right, right. So, so what are we expecting in in these maps um, for California? Obviously, for Congress, we're we're losing a seat, so those you know districts have to accommodate that fifty two instead of fifty three, dividing the state. And then the state legislature, obviously, staying the same eighty for the assembly and forty for the the senate, but population shifts. Um, so, what are we expecting? Um, well, um, so you know we we. The maps, we, we still have a few months, so the maps will come. Uh, uh, that's December 15th. Um, the real thing I'm, I'm looking at is actually the intersection of re- the redistricting change we've made and our top two primary process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the last cycle, we introduced both changes at the same exact time. Right. And what we saw in 2012 was the parties had not yet figured out this new system, in particular the Democrats, because the Democrats um, are the ones who can be disadvantaged, uh, in a sense, most by this. So in 2012, we had the 31st Congressional District, um, where in a district that voted for Obama by 16 points and Brown uh, by nine points, um, they had two Republicans make the runoff. Um, because four Democrats had run. The party hadn't really gotten ahead of figuring out the new rules, realizing that if you get two members of the other party running and only two, you need to cut down your candidates to no more than three and really two if you're, if you're, if you're right. um, Right. If you want to gain that. Right. Um, And the Democrats, while they had a favored candidate, um, who eventually gets the nomination two years later and gets the right, right. Um, they didn't really rally the, the forces behind him. And sure, the top two primary is on paper and by the folks who passed it, supposed to get parties out of this. But you can't get parties out of politics. It just Good doesn't luck. happen. Right. Um, A little like getting so, money out. So what... Has, so what you have now is there's going to be a very shrunken period in which yeah. county party chairs and the people who usually organize money, like let's say movers and shakers in, right. the, Repu- in the Lincoln Club in here in Orange County, yes. Yes. Um, they have less time 
to talk to folks, get them to run, get folks who they think would be a good candidate for a different race to change their mind, right. offer them this position on a blue ribbon panel to right. get right. them to keep their powder dry for two years or something. They right. have basically zero time to do that. Right. And, and so what I expect is that we will see a bit of a replay of 2012, more chaos, more candidate-centered things, people running because they think it's their time. Right. Um, and less the party getting involved. Um, right. And there's always going to be some of that. I mean, I look back to the 20, uh, 2018 uh, Democratic primaries um, that produced – um, a, a very crowded field uh, here for Congress. Um, right, right. And eventually they, they, they got a, a Democrat elected, but it wasn't necessarily the strongest candidate. He lost uh, in 2020. Right. Uh, but they, the Democratic Party was able to talk to some of the people and get a couple of them to withdraw when they saw what yeah. a messy scrum it was being. So they couldn't stop a couple of people who had independent wealth from running. They were sure, going to run. Sure. But they were able to stop people who were coming up from more traditional sort of farm system approaches, right. school boards or city councils or whatever. And they were able to say, okay, now's not your time. Keep your right. power and, and I think it's, it's a, it's to a testament that. to the to the choice that those individual candidates made to put the importance of the party over themselves which we don't always see. Yeah. Because, you know, like Phil Janowitz was one of the very first candidates to jump in the race and he stepped down yeah. for the good of the party. And, and, you know, that was kind of a selfless act that we don't always see. Well, um, and I think don't always see is, is almost the, the, the best wording for it because all this stuff is what happens behind the scenes. Absolutely. And and it's not necessarily what you're going to see covered in, in the papers. Right. Um, but it's it's the reality of nomination politics and really how politics works. Yes. Is there's a lot of folks who are going to talk to a lot of people. And just because of the fiction that we have with our FEC and, yeah. and FPCCZ, FPCC about where – FPPC – uh, about when you file and you're officially a candidate. And you right. See, we always hear our candidates doing this fiction. Um, it, it, it's a fiction. We don't have, you know, there weren't five Democrats who ran for president in uh, right. 2016. There was, right. there were like 30. Right. But 25 of them never actually, you know, got right. the message and they withdrew. And, right. And so that's, that's how nomination politics works. Yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting. You talk about, um, you know, the Democrats not figuring it out for a while because the Republicans had such a strong political machine for so long that you really did have to be crowned to be able to run. And then we sort of saw the breakdown of that, the weakening of the Republican Party in the supervisorial race, where, you know, you had John Morlock and, and the other two Republicans refused to get out. And there was, and, and that sort of either the curtain was pulled back or they wanted it to be public and and the regular people started to see those fights over endorsements over um blatantly saying you know John Morlock shouldn't be running um and and so 
talk a little bit about what that means for the Republican Party in Orange County when we see that publicly. So the Republican Party in Orange County is this fantastically interesting um, organization um, because the word organization is almost like shouldn't be applied. It's, it's, it's fascinating because, I mean, if you were to claim that the modern GOP is from Orange County, I'm not sure you'd be wrong. You go back to Goldwater, you go back to sure. Reagan uh, stumping uh, down here for Goldwater before he ran for governor. And the, the growth of what came to be defined as conservative from basically the late 60s until recently was an Orange County phenomenon. And Correct. This, until 2016, this county was guaranteed to, uh, to vote for Republican. When Loretta Sanchez won that congressional seat in the 90s, it was a huge deal. Yes. Where it, it showed uh, people inside and outside the party, reminded them, oh, right, this county has diversified and, and grown and is not just pure suburbs, and it has urban right. Uh, right. centers, and it has uh, you know non-white people in it. Um, and so that 90s began sort of showing that. And that's, the Republicans had to change their game. Mm-hmm. Um, starting in, in basically the, the 2000s uh, is because the writing was sort of on the wall that the county was not going to be a guaranteed law mm-hmm. forever. Um, and, and so the, the, they actually had to pay attention. Whereas Orange County was basically a national ATM. Republicans oh, and absolutely. came to Orange County to raise money. Right. And you just hoped, and you tried to, uh, you wouldn't even raise it in Yorba because that's too far of a drive from uh, John Wayne. Right. So you raised all your money in, in, in Newport right. and those areas because it was the closer, because literally right. after being on a long plane ride, you, you landed in John Wayne, raised the money, got right back on the plane yes. and left. And yes. the little time as you could spend here because it was, why bother? It's a right. solid county. Um, And the state itself went from being solidly Republican to solidly Democratic in in the blink of an eye. Right. And so it's it's never been relevant for really, in a sense, state politics. And it's just been, okay. we're we're the we're the cash register for the national party. Got it. Now, though, and really, the Republicans were sort of, I think, fooling themselves until 2016. Yeah, I think for a long time they just thought it was localized. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll give you Santa Ana Garden Grove. Yeah. You can have that. We'll take the rest. We'll take we'll take the rest. Um, and I think the the wake up call was really in the in the twenty teens for a yeah. lot of the Republican Party in, in two ways. A twenty sixteen and they get to see a blue county and and what the right. heck. And and then they really get caught with their pants down when the entire uh, legislative delegation to all chambers is Democratic. Right. And, and right. They go, what the heck? We, right. we became a solidly blue county. What, what is this? Right. Not just the um, presidential outcome, but also every single congressional. But then go down local and the forced, um, uh, re- the, the going to districts as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, at large elections suddenly starts electing 
uh, Democrats to, uh, or, you know, not Democrats because it's local, but come on. We all right, nonpartisan on the face of it. But I, I don't know that any of our elections are truly nonpartisan right. anymore. No, they aren't. And so you we start just hide that from the voters. And Fullerton uh, City Councils were Democrats and the yeah. districting kind of just creates these districts. Um, and as more uh, cities in Orange County end up going that way, right. um, as it, the, the march to more districted city elections is just going to keep going. Yes. Uh, and eventually all of the cities in Orange County, I imagine, will be districted. Um, it certainly seems that way. Yeah. Cal- uh, the, the California Voting Rights Act sort of forces that. Right. And so. I mean, uh, you know, where I, where I live in Brea, our school districts have already gone and, and we're tiny. Yeah. And I thought like, oh, Bray is not going to have districts. Nope, we have them for the school board. I'm sure city council is coming. Yeah. And so I think that in the 20 teens, the Republicans in Orange County have really been given this like massive series of body blows. Uh, you know, the state legislative, the um, the. Uh, congressional delegation, the the presidential, right. and then also the local. And I think the Republican Party is starting now to try to deal with that. The problem is, in a sense, the structure of the party nationally is also reflected here. Yes. Um, and basically, the Republican Party has kind of, when you define yourself as an ideological party, and you're not a coalition party the way the Democrats are, but you're an ideological party. Right. You're always, any individual candidate is always vulnerable to the charge that they are a rhino. Right. And, and we see the charge. Rhino, rhino, the term for Republican in name only. And we throw those, that into an acronym. Yeah. And they, you're, yeah. There, there's always the, the problem that you can, that someone can be more conservative than thou. Of course, of course. And, and so it leads to a lot of factions forming, but they're not necessarily stable. They're individual candidate based. Right. Um, because in a sense, when Bob was the most conservative candidate two years ago, we all got behind him. Well, yeah, he's conservative. And now somebody who's more conservative. And what's that? Mean? Well, we're just going to redefine it as it goes along. Right. Uh, comes along. And you're going to have to pull, peel away people who were raw, raw Bob. He's the most conservative candidate. That's why we voted Bob over John. Right but now you're going to vote Susie over Bob over John. Right. It's just. A, yes. Yes. It it ends up not being very stable, whereas the politics in the Democratic Party are a little more stable. Mm-hmm. The environmentalists are going to gear up right. to fight the unions on right. certain things. And the party has figured out over time how to bridge the differences. And the Republicans, because the coalitions aren't stable, they're individual personality based. Right. It's much harder to to bring some order to that chaos. So I think we're going to see more instances of the fights spilling out into public um, on this stuff. Um, Yeah. On and redistricting will probably show it uh, show it again yeah. when you're going to see factions claiming that these maps are unfair um, and totally biased and blah 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 
And what they actually mean is that you ended up putting John's house in this district mm-hmm. and we really want his house in this district, which right. is two blocks away. Right. And the commission doesn't know where anybody lives. Right. So you're going to have a lot of those sort of circumstances that are going to uh, kind of prop up. Right. And they don't have a template in the party for how to adjudicate these mm-hmm. battles yeah. when really it's just about, I want this more than you want this. Right. Right. Yeah. That's definitely what we saw. And so it, it will be interesting to see, you know, those p- intra-party battles um, on the local level. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about local redistricting because we haven't had that before in Orange County. Most of these cities went to district-based Fullerton, Anaheim, Irvine, um, uh, you know, definitely some of the other cities that drew districts, just district maps. And now do they have to redraw them? Do they have to move those lines? And they, do they do it themselves in the same way they drew them to begin with? They, we don't have a commission for that. Yeah, so um, the the same folks who drew the lines before still have the authorities. We haven't changed anything on a state level. Uh, the only thing that can happen uh, that changes that is uh, some sort of lawsuit that comes and the uh, state Supreme Court steps in and maybe appoints special masters or something if they don't trust that the process can mm-hmm. work. Um, and so uh, that can always upset any individual redistricting uh, in a city is, is basically uh, somebody sues and makes the Supreme California Supremes and, and right. they say, yeah, it's time for a special master. But generally speaking, you'll, you'll, that process takes long enough that you'll have at least one election with the, with the lines that were approved uh, until somebody comes in and we do a mid decade redistricting. Uh, right. For those. right. Um, and when you're getting into local government, um, Generally speaking, nobody usually has enough money to float these campaigns uh, and sure. pay a lawyer to take it all the way. Sure. But we're not sure. going to see too many of those. Um, but I expect when there's some well-heeled uh, candidate who feels like they got hosed, sure, we'll see a couple of those cases. Yeah, but by and large, and, and a lot see, of the maps are so new that there's probably not a lot of population shifts. Yeah. So uh, I mean, yeah, some of the maps. If you are just drew the maps two years, years ago. Yeah. So if you just if you just drew it a couple of years ago, right. um, what you were do, doing that off of was census data. You had to go off census data so on the population side. But um, because you're less governed um, by by the sort of restrictions that CCRC is governed by. Right. It's not like people couldn't have taken those lines and added in the inferences of the demographers and the census updates since 2010 so that when you drew lines in 2018 you weren't you had to do it using the 2010 numbers for population basis mm-hmm. but you didn't have to make this assumption that a bunch of let's say latinos lived here right uh, when they don't in 2018 right. um right. And, and so on and so on so you yeah. can you can update it for in your mind, you can look at it and go, okay, but I have new data from Neil Kelly that says that this area south of this street and, and west and, you know, this these five precincts sure. uh, had a massive surge in Republican registration or something, right? right? You can factor in that data in your head. Factor that in, yeah. Um, when they drew those. 
So the and I think a lot of them factored in where the incumbents lived when yeah. they were drawing those maps initially. Yeah. And so you're probably going to see lines that are not too dissimilar mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of cities. Uh, some of them, I mean, you take an Anaheim, for example, the geography just cuts uh, that, that city council in such a way that there's just no way not to make Hills districts. Um, because it's just, I mean, there's like a gap and industrial and like, there's right. just, right. It, it's two, it's two areas connect that connected by geography or for reasons I don't understand. Correct. Um, but a, a place like Irvine or Fullerton, where it's much more just sort of a continuous sort of suburban yes. thing. Um, right. That's, that's a lot more, you can draw the lines here or there um, yeah. and do stuff. In Anaheim, you can basically cut in the flats and make some changes there. Sure. Um, but but at the end of the day, the geography of the city forces a lot of, of that. Right. So I'd, I'd expect, yeah, the, the ones that were a bit older, maybe to have uh, more major changes. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, since they can take into account where the incumbents uh, live, so I imagine what you'll see is some fairly pro-incumbent gerrymandering uh, from city councils. Unless right. they, a majority on that council is pissed at folks sure. and they decide to hose them. Sure. Um, I could see that happening on the Anaheim City Council uh, right. with all the, all the turmoil they've had. I could see the majority deciding to go after the minority on the council. Sure. Yeah, and I could. It's yeah, not, they've been, not, they've been fairly blatant about seats. those tactics. Not take away their party seats, um, but certainly do some kidnapping where they try to uh, have a little finger of a district that goes in and gets somebody's house and brings right. them in just to um, right. the thing. The the thing I like to tell students when I talk about redistricting with kidnapping is uh, the example is Thunderdome. Two candidates enter, one candidate leaves. And yeah. so that's the easiest way to really especially because local politics half of your beefs are personal right like, oh absolutely um, absolutely I, I expect to see a few kidnaps uh a few mm-hmm. districts that go up an alley go around to the corner get 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 the guy's house and get right. Right back down right and, yeah that kind of thing yeah so well good this was really helpful anything else we should be looking at for redistricting um Nationally, California's uh, commission has inspired attempts in other states to do something similar. Um, And so more commonly done in states has been using retired judge panels. We tried that. Our our system. If if you remember, we tried that on the ballot a, a number of times and the Republican and Democratic parties made some of the most entertaining commercials about why judges can't possibly be trusted. Yeah. So, so um, but th- that's been the center of a number of reform attempts across yeah. the country, but there've been attempts, particularly in States that have a uh, direct democracy mm-hmm. um, to, to take pages from our redistricting commission, um, which is fun because um, they're very often arguing with the same reason we do mm-hmm. for ours like oh we really want to get rid of partisanship and make more uh, moderate legislators and uh, california still has one of the most polarized legislatures in the country absolutely the, the evidence is that redistricting may have led to a little bit of moderation 
Um, but not a whole lot. There's just right. only so much you can do with the political geography of the state. Right. Um, Fresno is going to be deeply conservative. Right. West LA is going to be deeply liberal. And there's so many people in, in both places right. that you can't possibly make districts that, that bridge these, uh, what, you know, the mountains right. have separated. Um, yes. you can't really combine with districts. Right. Um, and so I, I've, I've often yeah. given that experiment to my students of try to make a district that elects a Republican in San Francisco. Yeah. Where n- no party affiliation has more registered voters than Republicans, you know. And, and, and so I think going going forward, I, I'm, I'd be watching the states that have more robust um, mm-hmm. uh, direct democracy processes mm-hmm. to see what they do. Um, so we copied Washington's top two primary, essentially, are they going to try to copy our redistricting commission? Right, um, right. Uh, Oregon, Colorado. Um, I imagine attempts in some other states that have a robust process will flounder on Repub- on um, party shoals. Sure. So Ohio will try and fail. Um, Arkansas has robust, and they're, they're not going to bother. They don't want to right. do anything to give the Democrats a chance to con- to right. contest the election. Right. So, but in a number of Western states, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in Ariz- attempts in Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, Colorado, Oregon, Washington um, to to do. Is there anything you see yeah. that they could improve upon from ours? Or, you know that 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 initiative seems so. I don't know Rube Goldberg, and you know we're going to pick these, and then they go to this and. It's going to be an equal number of Republicans and Democrats with slightly fewer, uh, no party affiliation. And then in, in the, I would say, A, don't necessarily give the parties equal voice if that's not what your state looks like. Right. Um, which so which in, is, in a number of states, one party completely dominates the other party. Right. And why you would give like California. Party, I, it, yeah. I mean, California is one of them. Um, but not quite as bad as, say, in Oklahoma. Sure. And, but but know, I feel like it wouldn't have passed if it had been yeah. stacked. So, um, yeah, that, that's one thing. And the other thing is I'd say to pay a little bit more attention to how someone is a commissioner or not. Because um, okay. in, in, in the state, we basically gave we, – we, we had the initiative, and it was silent on a lot of details, and – um, the auditor, the state auditor had to come up with the rules for the applications. Oh, right. And they've never done it before. This right. is figuring out whether somebody is, is a qualified political expert or whatever. Right. It's just not their forte. Sure. Um, they are sure. accountants. That's what they right. do. Um, and so, uh, I would say having some, uh, parts in the process where you go, okay, if we're going to actually pick people to do these things, we need to have a process and and such. And I think California's great size ended up saving it because you could get folks who knew what they were talking about out of a population of 39 million. Right. That where redistricting right. has been a major issue for decades. Yes. Five yes. Decades or half a century now. Whereas and and we spent state, millions trying to recruit people yeah. to apply because I, I, I remember, um, you know, I applied, you, you shared that you applied for that first 
commission. Um, my dad applied and, and I, I jokingly told him, I said, well, at least I appear diverse because I, I'm not over 65, uh, you know, a, a relatively uh, rich white guy, um, which was, I think, almost everybody who applied on that first round were retired pe- yeah. people who had political hobbyism. Yeah. Um, and so we had to recruit people to say, wouldn't you love to draw maps? And, and I worry about what that process looks like in a state of 3 million yes, or a state of uh, yes. even smaller. Um, and so, yeah, that's, and so. And, and a lack of political scientists that actually studied the pros and cons. I, I know we yeah. get the label of being too biased ideologically, but um, you know, I, I, I think that we, we have studied redistricting gone wrong um, and, and we didn't end up with any political scientists on, on the commission. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the perception of our, of, of us being biased um, uh, doesn't help on that. Um, but then there's just this, the general impetus behind a lot of this is a general distrust of expertise is a Correct. citizens legislature impetus uh, right. kind of thing. Um, and I would say make a process that is cognizant of, okay, that's just silly. Uh, you're not going to find, you're not going to get people who haven't been interested in politics who know how to do this. Right. That's it's, it, it's, 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 that is right. who does this. Yes. It's, it's, you know, one of the reasons why you find so many uh, uh, lawyers in a political science coming out of political science departments right. is they were interested in the law and the making right. of it. And that's why they chose the major. Correct. And so that's why we, we supply the law schools. Correct. It's not some nefarious plan. It's right. just if if you you go hunting where the fish are. Yes, um, yes. And where the fish are going to be for people who know about redistricting is people who study politics, people who are interested in politics. Right. And right. so I would say, yeah, approaching that. The other thing I would say is uh, definitely attention to detail on the, yeah, on the construction of the commission um, if you're going to say, oh, Democrats and Republicans, how do you identify someone's a Democrat or Republican? There are states that would try to do this that don't have party registration. Right. Uh, registration right. by party. How would you know Correct. that a person Correct. is that? So uh, what works in California might not work in another state. Yeah. Right now, the commission seems to have really worked. Um, the lines they drew in 2011, um, way more competitive. Yes. With the exception of that one congressional election, rarely electing people who were massive uh, misfits mm-hmm. for their districts. Correct. Generally Correct. speaking, you go, hey, that conservative person is from a conservative area. Yes. Yeah. It, it sort of makes sense that way. Um, and, um, you know, the Democrats who have this lopsided majority in the state politically have been able to get a two-thirds majority in the legislature a few times. Mm-hmm. It kind of went back and forth. You sit there and go, well, for a state where the Republicans were at one point the third largest group behind declined to state, right. the Democrats should be a supermajority. Otherwise, you're not representing the population. Right, correctly. right. Um, but it kind of came and went. And like, that's also reflective. We're not a massive a Rhode Island uh, right. where the Democrats are 80% of the state or something. So right. I, I think that, the process worked and gave us yeah. decent maps. 
Um, I, I, I was yeah. very impressed with, with the maps that, I, you know, I, I wasn't fully on board to have citizens doing this and it, it seemed like a long process. Yeah. Um, I, I was really impressed with their product and really and the impressed with was, the process. And the other thing that was really fun to watch uh, in the last one was a number of groups that were having to wrestle with uh, some of the fundamental challenges in redistricting. Um, and so a number of groups, particularly um, NAACP and MALDEF, right, really had to decide, did they want more districts in which they had influence right, or more districts in which they dominated? Right. And that's honestly a, a healthy conversation Absolutely. in a democracy is to figure out whether you want your folks represented Right. Or dominating right. in, in, in the in the legislative process. Would you rather have eight state legislators who have to listen to your concerns, or would you rather have five state legislators who will do exactly what you say? Right. Um, and that's yeah. a healthy conversation for democracy to have. Yeah, and, and I think that that has been the outcome for California is a lot of healthy conversations and, and competition that is good for voters yeah. um, and, and makes better candidates yeah. um, when they are not in safe seats where they can sit forever. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's some really good things about redistricting for, for all the national, you know, well, horror stories. and, and, and Particularly scary. once you combine it with our top two primaries, yeah. where we've kind of, in a sense, gotten rid of party choice in the first round. If, if in the second round, there's no possibility of, of sort of, in a sense, fixing a mistake that happened in the first round, right? it's, it's a problem. So here's the question I'm going to leave you with, because I was surprised that Orange County uh, uh, Republican chair Fred Whitaker said that Larry Elder was his guy, and uh, he thought that he would be a great candidate for uh, governor uh, in 2022. Uh, the returns showing that California voters did not agree with that assessment. Um, so do you think the Republicans will figure out the top two primary for statewide elections where they could choose a moderate Democrat that actually had a competitive statewide race? No. Okay. They won't. Um, the incentives in the party mm -hmm. are, are just not there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, take why, why is he endorsing uh, Larry Elder? One reason could be he's just... You know, always loved Larry Elder, been listening to him on the radio every day, been a fan forever. Right. Could be that. Sure. Or could also be can read the tea leaves and see that this one Republican blew away the rest of the field. Mm -hmm. And so to be a Republican in California who is not on the Larry Elder train um, is unless it's a strong candidate that wasn't in the field. Um, but right now, since we're too early nobody's really talked about who's sure. running or anything like that right now you have a base that's saying yeah we're we're larry elder people um absolutely they might change they might change their mind in, in six months when a different candidate comes along yeah but for right now for him to sort of say yeah i mean as a party chair you always have to ask yourself our party is a party leader uh leading from the front or getting behind the bandwagon sure and, and it's you can almost never tell because they a party leader can't go where their party doesn't want them to. Correct. Correct. Otherwise, they're no longer a leader. Right. And and so just a guy out for a walk, right? Yeah. 
And so I think that's 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 what you're seeing is yeah. And, and Larry Elder motivated the base and got people excited, and and so it makes sense. But you think, oh, Kevin Faulkner might have appealed to some Democrats who yeah, were not the, happy with Newsom. The California Republican Party has a very now long and rich tradition of uh, basically taking the choice uh, between having a shot at winning or having a sh- or or being pure. Yeah. Has chosen pure and losing pretty much every time. Right. Even when uh, my favorite of these is is you know what caused the rec- the first recall the last recall in the, in the first place, which is Gray Davis picking his opponent by showing an ad. He ran an ad in the primary, said that don't don't vote for Richard Reardon. Right. He's not pure enough. Vote for Bill Simon. He didn't vote, didn't say vote for Bill Simon. But that's the obvious no. implication. I, right. And the California Republican Party, who hated Gray Davis, they said. You know what? You're right. Let's vote for and yes, and, and it's like yeah. I mean, it's it's almost the easiest uh, con game in, in town right. is yeah, to and, sell and, Republicans and, on nominate the most conservative candidate and go ahead right. and, and we'll and, lose, and but we'll lose we'll lose with dignity. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, and that's and and it's yeah. funny. I I remember. Um, seeing a Bill Simon for governor bumper sticker on, on the 57 freeway and thinking that must be Bill Simon's mom. No one else is excited about Bill Simon. Well, um, I, I have to admit, I, I do love Bill Simon because in, in a few short years just had real confirmation that where I went to undergrad Williams college is, is just a, a death, a kiss of death for running for office. Bill Simon's a graduate. Uh, Martha McCullum, who lost to Scott Brown in the oh, yeah. uh, Massachusetts Senate race. Yeah. And then my favorite is we have actually elected one president, uh, Grover Cleveland, oh. shot on his way to a Williams College reunion. <laughs> so we are a literal kiss of death yeah. in politics. That, um, that, that might not be the, the, the tagline they want on, on their recruitment. No, it doesn't work so well. But but good to warn people at those reunions. Yeah, good to warn people of like, yeah, don't take a train to come to reunion. That's how you get shot. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And we'll see what happens in those maps in December. Yeah. Keep your eyes peeled. Okay, let me...